We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Manhattan, Kansas. We are live, KCSN, live in Manhattan. This is a live edition of the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. I'm sure we look uh, a little better, a little cooler sitting out here <laughs> than we do sitting in our, our living rooms. I am John Kurtz, joined by Aaron Lockett. As always, we're starting off with a bang here with a special guest, Travis Tannehill, former Big 12 champion, first team all Big 12 selection at tight end. Well, for your Wildcats back in the golden age of Snyder 2.0, we're going to talk plenty of K-State football between the three of us, we've got James Dunnigan lined up, another former Wildcat and Big 12 champion later on. Gene Taylor, K-State Athletic Director, going to stop by here at some point as well before 2 o'clock as we get you ready for K-State and TCU. So, first things first, Aaron, good to see you here. My so, friend, it's a big day for you. It is. Uh, the fans are going to be seeing a little bit more of you later on, but uh, excited to have you along for the ride live and in color here. Yeah, no, excited to always be part of Kansas State football. Like I said, I uh, got a chance to get access to the field. It's been a while. Um, but brought those uh, those glory days back and a little bit of an itch. And so I'm excited to see us play today and make sure that we can do what we need to do. Yes, sir. Stage set for K-State to get rolling here after an 0-3 start to Big 12 play. They pulled out a 25-24 to win last week over Texas Tech. And now kind of a reeling TCU squad in the house today that's lost four of five. And you're going to hear more from Travis Tannehill on that because he is on the K-State HD TV pregame show today with Brian Smoller. You can catch him on there throughout the season. But, uh, Travis... 
Appreciate you coming by, my friend. Thanks. Good to have you, or good to see you again. And not nothing so far this year, so we always catch up at least once or twice a season. I was going to say for some work. So, well, you know, for those that don't know, tra- <laughs> Travis Tannehill and I had a run as roommates once a week. Oh, wow. we did. <laughs> yes, we did for like so. what, maybe six months, something yeah, yeah, like that, half year or so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I got married and. You moved on. So. Yeah, that, that was that was how that went. But uh, so I I can never be. I've got to be uh, pretty chummy with Travis because he he knows too much about me and like some side knowledge from twenty five year old John Kurtz. So I got to be a little careful. Uh, man, it felt to me. I'll, I'll start Travis with you on this. It felt to me like last week. I mean, look, I know it was a one point win. It was relatively ugly. I saw a stat today that K State was like the third team in college football this year to win a game where they fell behind, trailed at halftime, rushed for less yards than their opponent, and there was like one more qualifier there. The point being, there were a lot of things that were working against K-State to win that game, but it just felt like that team desperately needed it very, very badly. You've been in locker rooms before, you know, and when loose to pile up, everybody just needs one of those games to like let loose a little bit, and that seemed like what happened. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, they found a way to win that ball game, which was, which was huge, and if they would have lost that in the fashion that they did, I think that might have – we might have seen some guys throw the towel and kind of throw the towel on the season. The guys who got a shot at the NFL, sometimes when the seasons, there's nothing really to play for. They start thinking about their health more than the team. Yeah. And so I think it was really good to just get that win and keep that positivity in that locker room. Is there, I mean, you know, they lost some early games, but to some amazing teams. So yeah. it's like they got a chance to really run the table towards the end of the season here and have, you know, a, a relatively successful year. It's just it. I mean, if you, you roll through – this game against TCU, sub-500 team. Kansas next week, we know you're going to be the heavy favorite there. Then West Virginia, I mean, it's been a bugaboo for Chris Kleiman, but that's probably going to be a sub-500 team. You'll likely be favored there, assuming that you do win the next two games. We're talking about it's 7-3. and three. Who would have complained about 7-3, and three, <laughs> you know, going into Texas and yep. Baylor at the end of the year? Yep. Nobody. Not me at all, no. And that's when you break it down like that. It's, I mean, yeah, there's a chance to have a really special team. And I think any time you got a veteran quarterback like Skyler, I mean, he can really – pull this team together and that's what's been you know from a fan and an analyst standpoint it's been such a frustrating year because I think they have the pieces they just haven't put it all together and we saw it happen a little bit in that second half and if they can just do that for four quarters we heard coach Kleiman mention that this year he's like we got to play four four quarters which is totally true and the things that are killing them are the things that are usually pretty easy to fix turnovers penalties yeah things like that it's not like hey we got guys lined up over it's like no it's stupid mental stuff that if they get that cleaned up they will elevate their play so much just so easily yeah that, that's that's kind of to me where this K-State team sits as opposed to like Aaron, some of the teams you played on, I mean, you guys were so talented. There was more margin for error, right? For those kind of things. And this team, not to say that they're not talented, but they don't have the kind of talent advantage you guys typically did on a weekend, week out basis to, to afford them the ability to make 12 penalties for 93 yards, for example. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I think when you bring a new coach in, um, like I said, climbing over the last three years, you, you have to uh, bring depth. Right. And so it's going to take people a little while to get on board to get the recruits in that you need to get his team here. And so because of that, you know, you've got the guys that are on the field, but they've got to play. Right. And so we talk about that rotation that they do that I'm not a super fan of, but it seems yeah. to work in some capacity. But if a guy's playing well, leave him out there. Let's ride the wave, see what he can do. Um, but for the most part, I think they're doing a better job of getting off the field here late on third downs. Um, we've got to start faster, though, right? The last two games is just not going to work, not in the Big 12. There's too much talent, too much going on. And so if you find yourself getting behind, we've had a chance last week to come around, but I don't think you can do that against the Texas and the Baylors of the world. And so we've got to correct that before that time comes. I'm interested for your take on this, Travis, because Aaron has talked about this a lot as a former player, and I totally understand your attitude. Like, I want to be the guy. I want to be out there all the time. I don't want to be subbed in and out. But this coaching staff firmly believes in, obviously one of their philosophies is, 
we're going to sub a lot of guys. It's going to look like hockey line changes. And then at the end of the game, we'll be fresh. I mean, I think that's, that's really the ultimate idea there and just getting guys some reps and kind of bringing them along. But I don't, where do you sit as far as that's concerned? I'm trying to think of career how much plucking it out of a game when not, you're playing. Not, not too much. I mean, yeah. obviously the tight end would come off the field. You know, we'd be in 10 personnel or whatever. I'd come off and get, get a little bit of a breather. But now most of the time, at, at least at the tight end position, it was, you know, we got your ones and we got your twos. And if there's a two tight end package, they'll be, you know, you know Andre would be in there and Trujillo would yeah. be in there, some of those guys. But, I mean, I, I think you really just got to look at a position from position basis. I mean, there's some guys, I mean, you know, when I played with Tyler, mm-hmm. I mean, he never got tired. Me, I got tired. <laughs> I, I could have used three or four plays off, and I would have come back a lot of pressure. So I think you just got to look at it from a play-by-play. You know, we talk about that motor all the time. Ryan Mueller needs no plays off. He can go 100% every single snap. And, you know, Coach Snyder would tell you that that's a mental thing, and you all can go 100% every single snap. But I don't care. Fourth quarter, I'm tired. If you would have given me, a, a, you know, two or three plays off and then the first half, I might have been a little fresher that, that fourth quarter. So, But I, mean, I see both sides of it. I mean, obviously, you want to get guys in a rhythm. Obviously, I hate the two quarterbacks. Which, which we have at Kansas State hasn't done this year. Some teams try to do, um, you know, wide receivers. We got, what, 10, 11 guys caught passes last yeah, week, yeah. something like that. So, obviously, we're rotating them in. And I think, though, from offense, I can see it either way, but I really like it on the defensive side just because you have to be fresh on defense. And, you know, you want those guys in a groove. But, you know, you got, you got tired defensive line. They're going to run up and down the field on you. Yeah. And you need those guys up front and those linebackers fresh. Yeah. That, that definitely makes some sense, I think, right, like on the defensive yeah. line. I do, I do agree there. Your front seven uh, needs to be rotated, but that back four, they've got to get comfortable. They've yep. got to understand what type of receiver they're de- dealing with, and they've got to see some of the backside plays and see how the receiver's playing so they can understand when it happens what's going on. If you ro- rotate in the corner in and out, the corner comes in fresh and doesn't realize what receiver he's getting. He's not matching up personnel. He's just matching up schemes then, and that's the problem where you may get matched up against a guy that you didn't expect to get matched up with, and then you have to figure out, is he a tall guy, possession receiver? Is he a deep yeah. threat guy? Can he take the top off? Like Those are the things that if you're consistently out there and you've done your personnel, you know what's going on. And so from a receiver standpoint as well, the reason you want to get out there is because you want to look at the defense. Because when you come off the field, they say, hey, what do you see? Well, I've got to be out there, right? Coverage for three. Is it black? What's going on? And so those are the reasons I wanted to always be out there. Just so you can get the game. And then honestly, you got to get hit early, right? Don't throw me the ball in the second quarter. Like in the first quarter, yeah. give me a ball or something. Let me get a stop block. Let me get a backside block. Something to get me into the game to let me know, okay, what kind of game is going to be? Am I have a good game? Am, am I ready to go? Or do I need to get my juices flowing a little bit? And so that's the purpose of just being out there, just making sure that you can get all of those things worked out. Because when they call your number, you've got to deliver. What's interesting, you bring that up too, coming off the field and being like, hey, what do you see? What do you see? Because one of my favorite anecdotes in the game against Texas Tech was the fact that we found out after the game that the game-winning, eventual game-winning touchdown pass to Deuce Vaughn was a play that, although the players have been saying all game, like, this is open, this is open, they tried to get into it multiple times, but had to check out of it because they needed it to not be too much pressure coming to Skylar Thompson. I found that pretty fascinating. Like, you you guys have the insight here. Like, how often does that happen where a play comes up because somebody out there is saying, like, hey, this is open, or the coaches are, are asking you about that? I mean, every game, stuff every, like that. Yeah, <laughs> every game, that, that, that thing kind of happens. And, I mean, I know during Coach Snyder, especially after that first drive, because, you know, you can – you can prep all week and that defense can come out and do something totally different. So you go out there on that first drive. Hopefully you got a few first down, move the ball, got to see, you know, seven, eight plays and coach Snyder brings, you know, quarterback, uh, you know, top receivers, tight ends. All right. What do we see? You know, can we run option? Can we do, what can we do against this team? Did they line up as we prepared? Cause those coaches in the press box, they can, they can see, but the angles aren't quite always there. And, you know, they're trying to call plays and it's kind of controlled chaos, especially on that first drive. So it's, you know, that, that feedback on the ground feedback, which, really comes from a veteran crew and if you got a bunch of freshmen and sophomores out there we're just trying to get them up in the right spot block the right guy go on the right snap count but when you got a veteran quarterback he's going to be able to slow that game down and process that game 
quickly enough that data to the coaches on the sideline and make adjustments in game. Yeah. And what you'll see is they they always have the first 15, right? The first 15 plays script. Um, whether they work or not, it's really just to see if the defense is going to adjust. And so after that, then you get into the real game plan, the chess match from there. And so for the most part, um, those first 15 normally is, is mostly run heavy. Um, they won't come out. This reason you don't you see them never come out and throw a post on the first play of the game, right? They just yeah. they want to understand what the defense is looking like. Although as a receiver, throw the post on the first play. Of the game. That's what I was gonna <laughs> say. I mean, you know, hit them when they're not expecting it. You know, that's what I Get want. You that catch in the first quarter. Yeah. So they so they don't understand like what type of speed they're playing with because it takes a, a little while to get acclimated to your defense, right? Um, the biggest thing I noticed when I was playing is you never know how physical a guy is until you actually get on the field, yep. right? And so whether you're blocking him or whether he he uh, he makes a tackle, then it kind of lets you know that, oh, my, he's a little bit more physical than I thought, right? You change your game plan from that. And so I always think that keeping guys out there initially to to do a um, a thought process of, of what's happening needs to take place early in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about the tight ends that K-State's playing right now, Travis? I mean, Daniel Matterbebe clearly has a lot of talent. Obviously, I think the injuries have held him back yep. some, but it's Sammy Wheeler, kind of the same deal. I think he's a really talented pass catcher. Injuries have held him back some. They, they like Ben Sinnott. It's kind of like an H-back in between. I mean, there, there are a lot of options and guys that have gotten involved. It, it just seems to me to all be a matter of health right now. Yeah, I, mean, I think if any of those guys were 100% healthy, they, they would step up and probably be that number one. But it's kind of just kind of how everything else has been, especially even at the wide receiver position. Mm -hmm. It's kind of been a wide receiver tight end by committee. Uh, you know, we saw Nick Leonard last week have a catch and a fumble. And, yep. so, and that, you know, going back to what Aaron said, getting the ball early, I mean, I, I always thought I hated catching the ball, bringing a first catch in the third quarter, taking a big hit. I'm like, yeah. I haven't touched this ball in, exactly. like, forever. Yeah. And so it's like, of course you're going to fumble. Yeah, you know, how many catches does Nick Leonard have this year? Yeah, right. It's like two? Yeah. And so it's like, I don't know exactly, but it's like, well, he has, he's not used to carrying the ball and taking hits. And so yeah. that is so hard to go from that mentality. I'm right, block, 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 block. And then, oh, I got the ball in the open field, and I got to make a guy miss. And that's why I just, you know, tucked my head and held on to the ball. I'd never try to make anyone <laughs> well, miss. Except for that one time at Oklahoma. <laughs> that one time in Oklahoma, we tried to hurdle a guy, and I'm lucky I didn't break my neck. So, but, no, I mean, overall, tied, I, I've been relatively happy with the tight end position. I, mean, I think they've done a really nice job. Um, you know, I don't think we have anyone on this team that's going to be kind of your go-to guy at the tight end position. I think they're all kind of your role players, which is fine, and that works in this offense. So, w when they've all had to step up, they have. Um, and Daniels had a nice career. I think if he was healthy, it would be you know he would be the go-to guy, but he's been battling injury. Just overall, big picture on the offense with Skylar Thompson being forced to kind of sit back in the pocket more now and abandon the running game. I, I, I don't want to say the injury was like a good thing because they did have to go play at Stillwater without him, but in some ways maybe a blessing in disguise, you know, for the offense long term here. I mean, yeah, you look at how Skylar's played. I mean. He's having an unbelievable season. I mean, oh, yeah. you, I mean, statistically, I know maybe the point production hasn't quite been there, but I think that's because of the you know the committees around them, and they've had some untimely turnovers and untimely untimely penalties. They haven't been able to move the ball quite as well as he or anyone else you know wants to. But I mean, he's playing exceptional football. He's making good throws, uh, making great decisions, and he, like you said, he gets a little little feet happy in the pocket sometimes, yeah. which this has forced him to stay in there just because he doesn't want to. He's he's passing first and second, so. No, I mean, I, I'm thrilled with how Skyler's playing, and, and I think he's gonna, only going to progress throughout the season as these guys get more and more comfortable around him. All right, well, I know you've got to hop off here pretty soon, but I'll, I'll ask you this about TCU before we go. You know, I, I had Curry Sexton on my radio show regularly. I always would ask him when the opponent's coming up, like, what were these guys like to play against? You know, like, what was that program like? So TCU, you got to experience playing TCU. Those were pretty good TCU teams yep. back then. What oh, yeah. What is playing a Gary Patterson TCU team typically like? I mean, when I went through – I mean, their defense was always fundamentally sound. They were always physical. They were always pretty solid on defense. I knew we always had to 
you know, some teams you know you're going to get quite a bit of running yards. Where TCU is like, all right, we got to get it on a hat. We're going to have to move guys off the ball. We're going to have to play physical. I'm going to be really sore after the game. Yeah. <laughs> TCU this year, their defense hadn't done, done, done very well. So I don't know what, I don't know their defense coordinator situation or if that's changed or what's changed on that defense side of the ball, but, or if they're just missing guys because Gary Patterson's a great coach. He's a defensive mind. Um, so, you know, but a lot of times, you know, th- those teams can flip on a dime. So you, you just never know, you know, if the coaching is there, these players just pick it up and sometimes it takes half the season. So that, you know, Kansas State better bring it. And the yep. TCU team's going to be, you know, they're going to be physical. They always are. Travis, much appreciate the time. Thanks for hanging out with us here, man. Best of luck on the uh, HDTV broadcast. We'll see you soon. Perfect. Thanks, John. All Thanks, right. Aaron. Take care. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Travis Tannehill with us here, former K-State tight end, Big 12 champion, guest number one here on the live version of Lock It Up with Kurtz. Uh, Tucker, do we want to take a, a short little break here? All right. We'll take a short little break. Come back and uh, keep it rolling. We're with you until 2 o'clock on the live version of the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast here in Manhattan. All right, we are live back here from Manhattan. We are, of course, right in front of our state. John Kurtz, Aaron Lockett, Tucker Franklin behind the scenes doing a great job for us here on KCSN and appreciate everybody that hung out with us last night at the uh, live show with Bethany Bowman over at Rockin' K's as well. It's been a really fun weekend, and, of course, we are getting ready for K-State and TCU, which is coming up at 2.30 at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. We go from one Big 12 champion, Travis Tannehill, to another here, James Dunnigan, played defensive back for the Wildcats, a part of that uh, 2003 Big 12 championship team. James, appreciate the time in, in coming on with us here. I, I was trying to remember. So were you there 0203? What was so your career at K-State? 2002. Oh, 2000, 2002. My Correct. bad. Okay. Okay. Hey, no worries. Well, first of all, do you get back very often? Are you I'm, around I'm, Manhattan? I'm actually in Manhattan. I work for the Boys and Girls Club. Oh. Um, I love the, the atmosphere in Manhattan. Uh, it's a great town for raising kids. Um, couldn't be a better place. Awesome. Well, I know that uh, it's got to be exciting to be back here around uh, the old stadium. Like Aaron mentioned, he got here. The juices started flowing. Oh, like yeah. when, when you get around yeah. the stadium, man, what starts co- coming through your brain, coming through your mind? Um, three days. <laughs> <laughs> That is a great answer. <laughs> oh, no, really. Uh, so the thing that comes back to me the most is when we played USC, uh, the night game, and when you see all the lights flickering and you get your juices flowing and the, the big game atmosphere, I miss those days most importantly. So, yeah, it's great to always be back and be around all this purple. Man, t- take me through that. What, what was what was that O2 USC game like? What do you remember about that one? So first and foremost – I'm so sorry oh, to my yeah. brother. <laughs> the 0-1 game is yeah. what he was right. talking about. Yeah. Oh, the Palo. So, 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 and then from there, I let my, my teammates take it on the yeah, next year. We, 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 we took care of the business the next yes. year. So a kid named uh, James Terry, I think you know who oh, he yeah. is. Yeah. So we had a – should we even say that we have a hit out <laughs> on Troy? And we, we were successful the second time around because – 
we can't let our brother go out like that. <laughs> yeah. So that game was huge. I think that team went on. Did they win a national championship? They, uh, I think they won the Orange Bowl. Yeah, they, 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 were, were, they were in the conversation. Yeah. They, okay. they were pretty good. Carson they, Palmer won the Heisman. Yeah, yeah that, they was, only, that was their only loss of, yeah. the, of the season. I want to say after they lost to us, then uh, um, that was it. They, they just kept rolling from there. They had Mike Williams at receiver. Um, and, you know, Troy, of course, who's yeah. a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, it was exciting. You know, um, I remember coming in on the back end of that game and there was an article up in saying Bill gave me some kudos to say, you know, we came in and we kind of sealed the deal for him at the end. So it was a great it was a great opportunity for me. And I, I was very appreciative of that moment. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, one thing about, uh, you know, I'm gonna call him J.D. I can't call him James. Right. <laughs> We're teammates. And so one thing about J.D., though, is J.D. and I always stayed in contact. Right. And so when I come back into Manhattan, we always connect and get a chance. Um, to reminisce and talk about old times and talk about family. The biggest thing, though, is, you know, the transfer portal is going on now. And so you see all these kids jumping to the transfer portal, trying to go to these new schools, and they really don't understand what the atmosphere is. So James is one of the few that I remember, not coming from JC, um, a junior college, but he was coming from Purdue. Mm-hmm. And so I always wanted to ask, J.D., like, what brought you to Manhattan? Like, what was it about the atmosphere that you felt that this is the place for you? Okay, so if you really want me to be blatantly honest, you know, it was between Nebraska and K-State. Ooh, okay. okay. So at the time, Michael Bishop was making his run. I had I had actually played against K State, or I was actually on a team that played uh, against oh K yeah. State, not that in the year. Alamo Bowl, oh, not yeah. that year. So you know, and the quarterback at Purdue was Drew Brees at the time. We had a DN named Roosevelt Coven. We were pretty solid ourselves, but K State was on a bowl. You know, they had just came off Big Twelve championship appearance, and then the game they were in was a tough loss for them. So then they faced us in the Alamo Bowl. So I got to see the program up and close, you know, um, in that, in that atmosphere. And then David Allen was a close friend to a guy named Deshaun Austin mm-hmm. that played at uh, Purdue and he was my best friend on the team. So I got to meet a lot of K-State players, not knowing that two years I would be coming to K-State. Right. Yeah. So, um, I went to garden city when I got there, a gentleman named Jim Gush, uh, really came and spoke to me and, you know, gave me the rundown about K-State, and I started focusing and seeing what it was about. So we played cover two at Purdue. And I thought for my professional career, I needed to be playing man. And so I watched Demetrius Butler, um, Daisha Carter, these guys lock up week in and week out. And I said, I need that in my life. I need that as, you know, to, to add to my skill set. And I decided to come to K-State. Um and it was a great experience. We beat Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 62 nothing. Uh, Jamal Lord was the quarterback. He had a rough day, but, hey, it is. That's just- yeah. You know what's interesting about the football world? It's very small. So Deshaun Austin that he mentioned, Deshaun and I got a chance to play together professionally. Uh, Chike okay. O'Keefer and I was, was, was in yeah. San Francisco yeah. 49ers together. And so sure. when you start talking about the football community, it gets very small, right? And so it's interesting now as we talk about all these guys transfer, they have so much access to all these other universities that they really do have some of the inside scoop on, on what makes sense. And so it's just interesting that the portal – is now a conversation now. It used to just be about recruiting. If you didn't play early, you just had to wait your turn, right? Now sure. there's options for, for uh, players to move around, and I understand it, but it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, but that's just one of the intricacies to see now about college football. For sure, for sure. Yeah, well, and for you going through it at that time, like mm-hmm. how much how much different did it feel at that time? It was it was like a way bigger deal to transfer, right, at that point in time than, than it really is yeah. now. Man, it for me, it was staying focused. You know, because you got to think it's a very risky situation. I'm starting as a redshirt freshman at Purdue University. Why would I screw that up? 
you know, so you can go to Kansas State and possibly not even get on the field. You got Terrence Newman, who's the Thorpe Award winner. Yeah. You're you're not sure if you're going to have to beat him out, you know, for one. So you, you have to have confidence in yourself as a person. You know what I mean? And a lot of kids these days do have confidence or don't. But I know for me, it was about the confidence I had. You know, I, me and Lockhart are not very big guys. And I was just telling the young lady over there, you know, if, if you're going to play a sport, you have to exude some type of confidence to make it. And so when I made that transition, I came into K-State. And the guy here, were, I, they seem more athletic and they seem more um, violent. <laughs> so um, the lynch mob. Right? Yeah, the <laughs> mentality was just way more. Let's do this. You know what I mean? And so it it, it, and also it really fit my personality. So it was like a perfect fit. It was like a glove on my hand and we just rolled with it. You know, we were the number one defense in the nation in 02, um, all categories. And uh, those guys are like brothers now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got man. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah, we mentioned They're Terrence loaded. Newman, but like, you know, the, the linebackers <laughs> on that team, like Buell, Terry Pierce, Pierce. Oh, yeah. Hickman, like, hey, those... rest in peace, Dick. I love you, bro. Yeah. Stoll was there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no man, but you guys, you had some dudes. Yeah. I, what What was it like working in and around Terrence Newman every single day? Man, man, so Terrence is a guy that I have to respect at all times because he was a student of the game, yeah. all right? So he's going to be in the meeting room. He's going to watch film. And he's going to make himself better. So I saw the transition from his junior year when we're down at OU and he dropped like four picks. And I'm like, bro, (laughs) come on. You know what I'm saying? Then the next year, no picks drop. Nothing touches the ground. Plays receiver. Returns kicks. I mean, he exploded onto the the college football field. You know what I mean? So um, he's exceptionally talented athlete. I mean, I I would compare his talent to Deion Sanders. His confidence might not be as exuberant as a prime time, right? But his talent level yeah. of being to be able to run, jump, those abilities were like Deion Sanders, and surprisingly, he ended up in Dallas. Is he? Yeah. yeah. You so, know what's interesting about Terrence? I was his host when he came in from Salina, and he had broke his arm um, coming out of high school, and so here and Terrence wasn't very big when he came in, right? Call it 165 pounds, right? Five eleven, six foot. Um, frail with, with his arm in a sling and was just like, I can beat you running. And I was like, no, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you and can't. then I turned around and saw him run a 4-2 when he got here. And I was like, oh, well, that boy can go, you know. <laughs> but just athletic-wise, um, you know, it was interesting because he didn't get on the field initially, right? Like you said, you had, you had uh, Lamar Chapman, you, you had Demetrius Butler, you had mm-hmm. Deshaun Carter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he fought with Deron Tyler when he yeah. got here, you know. And so he waited his turn. But I tell you what. When you talk about true athletic ability, 40-inch vertical, yeah. 4 2, 360 dunk, um, you know, it's amazing all of that came out of Salina, you know. Yeah. But I tell you what, um, Terrence and I ran track together, indoor track. And so I got to see just his twitches and how he moves and how. And so it didn't surprise me that he was that successful on a pro level. Um, but it was powerful. Yeah, it was really good to see him. And once he put the size on as well, once he became, um, you know, a student of the game as far as, put, you know, making his body his priority. Mm-hmm. Um, he was an all-pro guy. And so I love watching him play in Dallas, love watching him play in Minnesota. Um, you know, just one of those guys that's going to always represent K-State the right way. Yeah, for sure. Out of all those guys that you played with, Tino, I assume, the best athlete that was on the team at that point. Hey, Who else hey, is in that? Hey, <laughs> wait a minute. Who, who's so, in this conversation? Let me know who's in this conversation. First and foremost, there's a guy right in the complex, probably right now, and his name is 
Joe Hall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm talking about a guy that will catch the ball out the backfield at 300 pounds. Sweet feet. Might shake you. <laughs> might run you over. Yeah, sweet feet. Might stiff arm you. Might hurdle you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we have phenomenal athletes in general in that locker room. So it would be unfair to say – Terrence Newman was the best athlete. Joe Hall was the best athlete. I mean, Warren Lott is a guy oh, that no one Clemson. Oh, yeah, I remember never Warren. ever talked about, but yeah. exceptional athlete, you know. So it, 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 that's what made us who we were because yeah. the recruiting was very at a high level at that yeah. time. We're getting yeah. all types of great recruits in at that time from the junior colleges of Butler, Garden City, myself from Garden. Um, Respect to GCC for everybody out here listening right now. <laughs> you Garden City Bronx Busters, go do your thing. Um, but, yeah, we, we had a ton of talent. Um, it would be unfair for me to just pick one guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the question I wanted to have is, is, is uh, the thing I love about college is you bring all of these players from different cities, right? Guys that would never meet each other. Um, and, and me coming from Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I came to Manhattan, Kansas, got a chance to meet guys from Houston and Dallas and Kansas City. And so – uh, what's interesting about uh, JD is JD's from DC. Yeah. I don't think we ever recruited anybody out of DC. Yeah. Wait, McDonald? He's from Virginia. Darnell McDonald, that yeah. is, you know. But it was uh yeah. it was always interesting to be around JD just because his mentality was a true East Coast mentality, right? It was it was more of matter of fact, straight shooter, very direct. And so I can appreciate that. And so uh it was, it's just interesting that you know I'm saying? being able to bring that type of talent to Manhattan, Kansas, I think was one of the things that allowed us to be successful at that level. Yeah. So, yeah, melting pot. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yep. It definitely yeah. middle Middle of the map. Yeah, middle of the map, man. Like, it's totally different from growing up in D.C. than coming to Manhattan, Kansas. And, you know, everybody talks about Manhattan, but being here for over uh, 15 years, I'm not going to just talk about Manhattan. I'm going to talk about Junction City. I'm going to talk about Rock. I'm going to talk about Wago. Because these are the surrounding areas, and all these people that you meet from these surrounding areas have a good quality that um, that kind of changed me as a person. Because in D.C., when you when you're it's mind your own business, you don't speak to someone you don't know, and then you come to Manhattan, and then everybody's like, "Hey, how <laughs> you doing?" Yeah, right. and you're like, "Hey, man, uh, mind your business." <laughs> so, but but no, you you learn how to be more social, and you 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 learn how to pick up on social cues and. It's good people in, in these surrounding areas. I don't want to just talk about Manhattan because it's a good people in the surrounding areas of Manhattan as well. Like I said, Junction, Wamigo, Rock Creek, which is called the Flint Hills. Yeah. So let's let's be understood that all of them are are are, are, are K State fans as well. So yes, for sure. Absolutely. We're talking here with James Dunnigan, former Wildcat. We haven't talked much about this team this year. What are your observations on on where this team is at? Man, at, uh, I, four and three? I, I could tell you last week I was on my remote to the team. <laughs> and then next thing I know, I'm like, hold up. Yeah. You know, so these guys are just they're up and down. They got to learn how to have a, a, a baseline. They, they got to find their identity and they got to put their hat on something to say, this is what we're going to be good at. And then we're going to take it to every team every week. We're going to be good at this one thing. And then we're going to build on it from there. And once they find their identity, I think they're going to be all right. You know what I mean? Um, that's one thing we could when, when I was playing, we knew who we were. We knew right. what we wanted to enforce on the team. And once we, we figured that out, then we, we won games. I don't think our guys have figured that out yet. So it's just going to take some time. And, and, and we have to be patient as fans. And I know everybody wants to win right away. But hmm. um, sometimes you got to let it develop.
And so let's let's give these kids a chance to develop, and then uh, maybe a year or two from now, if they're not doing it, then let's jump on their case then. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that's the point. I think, you know, as former players and even as analysts, I think one of the things that former players, and we had this conversation earlier today, mm-hmm. is the mentality. It's the mentality. Right? You've got to sure. believe that you are the guy, mm-hmm. right? Regardless of the circumstances, um, regardless if you get an opportunity, when that time comes, you have to deliver, right? Yeah. And it's just having that mentality. And and a lot of people would know it as, as, as mama mentality mm-hmm. if it was to be categorized or branded a certain way. But it's just knowing that you've got to deliver as a champion over sure. and over and over and over. And so I think that's just getting those mental reps um, yep. and just making sure that, you know, you know what success looks like. And when you touch it, then you're eager to have it again. And then you want it. And that's the only thing you, you have. You won't settle for less. And so once you start putting that um, in the forefront of how you're thinking when you approach a game or any obstacle, um, you'll start to see the transition change. And that's what we had when I played. It was it, it was infectious across the team. I mean, whether it was me, Mike B, it was it was Darnell, it was uh, Frank Murphy, it was Isaac Harvin, yeah. it was Chap, it was Coop. It was it was across the board. Everybody respectively owned their positions. Right. I haven't even mentioned John McCraw. I haven't been Lieber. Like, yeah. you, you know, if you start if you start thinking yeah. about Monty Beisel, like can it just keeps going and going. So so. I remember my junior year going to my senior year, I thought my position was, you read the magazine, it's Dunnigan Newman. We're, we're the top top two secondaries in the 12. They ranked us preseason. I get in the locker room. I look at the board, and some kid named Jordan's name's next to mine, one slash one. <laughs> and I'm like, he's not even here. <laughs> But that's what Bill did. I didn't at the time. I didn't realize what Coach Snyder was doing. He was keeping me on point with an imaginary player. Think about that. Yeah, you're you're fighting at spring practice against a guy that ain't even here. Right. Yeah. So I remember I went to hit Terry at practice. I flipped him, and Bill ran up on me and said, "If you hurt one of my," <laughs> and I said, "Coach." Jordan's name off the board. <laughs> I'm playing hard because I'm trying to solidify myself. And but that was the mentality back yeah. then. You're trying to prove yourself at all times. I don't know if these guys are trying to prove themselves every day. So I'm not in the locker room, so I'm not going to comment too further on that. But if you're listening, uh KSU players, prove yourself every day. Practice like it's a game, and everything else works itself out. You know, I had this thought. The defensive coordinators you played for pretty high profile too, right? Oh, yeah. Phil, would that have yeah. been Phil Bennett and Brett Bielma uh, yeah, when you were there? Yeah, for sure. Phil Bennett, man, I love that dude. Oh, yeah. He's the reason that he created a position for me, which is called nickel and dime. You know what I mean? That's why I came to K-State to play the nickel dime position. And Deron Tyler mm-hmm. was an excellent player. I studied that kid. Then I got to play next to him, and it was awesome. We were blitzing. We were cutting and swiping. Yeah. And it was just – it was we're little guys, but we tackle well. We can cover. And um, it was just a perfect position for me. And then he left, and guess what? I went back to being just a straight-up corner. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, man. So he left, and then, you know, he he had to go, you know, make himself better. He was became a head coach at SMU. Oh, yeah. And it was a perfect opportunity for him. But for me, it was like losing, like, your sensei or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's a person that had you – you know, in the right spot. So I had to go back outside and it was fine. We were the number one defense in the nation. So it was cool, but I, it just felt like I lost something right there. But then Brett Bilma came in and Bobby Elliott, Bobby Elliott. rest in peace yep. as well. Oh. Um, good guy. They were co-defensive coordinators. They weren't just 
Bill, everybody thinks of Bilma, but at that time he was a co-defensive coordinator. Bill didn't give them mm-hmm. that much responsibility <laughs> by themselves. So, um, you know, Bobby Elliott was a guy when he got here, he called me and Terrence into the office and he sat us both down and told us what our, our responsibilities were. He was straight up with us. He didn't, he didn't sugarcoat anything, but he was a great, nice guy. And then Bilma was more of a player's coach. You know, he, he handled things from what are you seeing out there? What do you guys right. want to do? And he listened to the players. So, and, and that, and that would that's what's made him successful. So two good guys with three good guys. Not a surprise to you then that, that he took off and has had the career that he's had, Bilma? Nah, he always had the swag. You know, Bilma's going to walk around like he <laughs> runs the place, he owns the place. You know what I'm saying? So he always had it in him. You know, he's an Iowa guy. So, you know, he's connected. And uh, yeah, hey, kudos to Bilma. Keep going, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, James, I could sit here and talk to you forever, man. Oh, yeah, it's been really, you, man. really entertaining. Yeah. Really entertaining. Right, Much cool. appreciate the time. I appreciate my it as well, man. Good talking to you guys. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right. James Dunnigan, former Wildcat, on with us here. We are live from Manhattan, KCSN, live from Manhattan with the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. We'll take a short break, come back, and keep it rolling here as we get ready for K State and TCU. All right, we're back. KCSN live from Manhattan. It's the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. Uh, Aaron Lockett had to take off, and if you are if you are going to the game, you'll find out why. You're going to be seeing more of uh, Aaron Lockett at the game. I can just uh, let you in on that little secret right now. It's going to be a big day for him, but really appreciate him uh, stopping by and making time. We've got the band right here. We've got Gene Taylor walking over here. Um, it's a good time right now. This is a, it's a little more lively, I'll tell you what, than I'm used to. A little loud See, in here. We, yeah, I know. We've, we've got Bethany Bowman is hanging out with us and Gene Taylor, the athletic director here at K-State, sitting down. We've even got Tucker back there bobbing his head to the uh, the Wabash <laughs> here, man. He's a Mizzou guy. we got a Mizzou guy getting into it. Uh, so very much appreciate that. But, Gene, good to see you. Thanks good for coming by. Yeah. So, How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing all right. I, I survived week one away from uh, Manhattan, and I'm, I'm already back. So I well, guess that tells see, you something. It tells you how much you missed us. Exactly. Or missed me, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's exactly it. I had to come back. I had to come back for Gene Taylor. 
Well, hey, the atmosphere obviously here is really cool. I, I've been very impressed by what the atmospheres have been like for the last couple of games. Just from your perspective, what's it been like having the atmosphere? Yes, yeah, it's been tremendous. Obviously, you know, we just weren't sure how the fans were going to come back after COVID and all that, but they've come out. You know, we haven't sold out completely. It's more about the energy in the stadium. You know, we've been right around 48, 49, and, but just the energy in the stadium and around the stadium. We've knock on wood, had some really good weather, and they've been coming out to support. That's a good thing. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, how how badly did you feel like that win was needed last week? <laughs> I'm not sure there's worse, particularly how it started. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, it would have been pretty uncomfortable for a, a lot of reasons if we, you know, lost that. But I think once they figured out, I'm hopeful that it'll carry forward to this weekend in terms of their confidence. But we have to start playing ahead as opposed to chasing points. And, you know, obviously coach has been talking to them about it and, you know, defensively not making sure they you – know, making sure they know what they're doing in terms of fit and all that stuff. But uh, it was a huge comeback, a huge win, confidence builder, all of that stuff. Yeah, one thing that always strikes me about Coach Kleiman is high or low, he always seems pretty – even keel right and i can remember that even from the first season in 2019 it was the big win at mississippi state i remember that post-game press conference being kind of like come on man like get fired <laughs> up like that was a big win but that's just sort of how he is have you seen him kind of remain in that that sort of mindset even as this year's gone along yeah i mean obviously with the team and you know post game in the locker room he gets you know he'll get a little more animated and obviously conversations we'll have privately but you know, that's just him. You know, he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. You know, all through all those championship runs when he was at North Dakota yeah. State, I think that helped the team stay relaxed, you know, in, in big games. But it also keeps them from panicking if they don't success and reminds them, hey, we can get through this. And so it's just his demeanor, and it seems to work really well. Yeah, well, I, I want to ask you about this. I don't mean to put you on the spot too much, but you're a guy that I've seen before get real animated on the sidelines or, you know, uh, at a basketball game. I remember like a big 12 tournament game at one point in time too. What, what is, what is Gene Taylor like in those scenarios? You know, that's why I go to the field uh, to watch the game because, you know, I am, you know, maybe some people see it, but it's a few less people hear my language sometimes when I get a little <laughs> yeah. frustrated. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I care about winning and I care about our athletes and it's frustrating when they're not having success, but, um, and I'm passionate and I, I don't, you know, not going to say I'm sorry for that because it, but I have to sometimes catch myself because there's players around. And if I'm looking like I'm upset about something, then, you know, I got to be careful with it. But, you know, I, these kids work really, really hard when I talk kids, I mean, all of our athletes, no matter what. So I enjoy them winning, but I also hurt for them if they're not having success. Well, I mean, I, I can really appreciate it because I think a lot of people think of the athletic director right as being the guy that's like up schmoozing with donors or whatever during the game and i'm sure you have to do some of that but like i don't know i, I kind of like thinking of my ad being a guy that's going to be down there with the blood sweat and tears like everybody yeah else. it's literally the worst place to watch the game from is the field i mean obviously i can have a better vantage point watching it from up top but you know i like to watch the game and sometimes when you're in those suites people want to visit with you which is fine I, I enjoy i do enjoy that so that's i do that before the game and then I'll go up at halftime and see various donors. But then I watch the game from the field most of the most all three quarter, four quarters. Yeah. Gene Taylor is talking with us here, K-State Athletic Director. Uh, what was your reaction to, and I know Chris Kleiman got asked this uh, this week, Matt Wells is a good friend of his in the, the coaching industry. 
I mean, guy five and three get, yeah. get fired. I mean, midseason as an athletic director, what was your take on that? Well, I've known Matt since he was a graduate assistant at the Naval Academy. I mean, I used to call him and make him help bring all of his graduate assistants to pull tarp when we had rain at the Naval Academy. So I've known him for a long time. He's one of the classy guys in the business. I consider him a good friend. You know, um, he was actually on our list when we hired Chris, but they took him at Texas Tech. So it's, it, it hurts. I hurt for him because he's such a good guy and he's, he needs a good guy in the business. You know, I don't know all the ins and outs of what's happening at Texas Tech and where the pressure is coming from. You know, it did surprise me because they were they're literally one win away from, you know, qualifying for a bowl if they would have beaten us. I think, you know, Kirby, probably they, they got beat pretty soundly by Texas and TCU. How they lost to us, I guess Kirby just felt, you know, there was a, a change needed. And it's unfortunate because, you know, yes, he's going to walk away with seven and a half million bucks, but I think he'd rather be coaching. And, right. You know, he'll land on his feet, but I, it surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Firing coaches season in general, are you just, is that like a hard fast? Like I'm opposed to that in all scenarios or like, is it a case by case basis? You know, I, I, yeah. You just sitting here today and has nothing to do with Chris Kleiman or anybody else, but. I, I just don't know what that gets you um, other than more disruption. Now, if you have some major issues with that head coach and there's been a, you know, a pattern of something going on and sometimes right. you have to make that call, but you know, in Matt's case, it, it, this is just to get my two cents. He took over a program that really had some culture issues and he, it takes a time to really rebuild that with particularly a hundred and some guys on the football team. And then they have the COVID issue. They have a COVID year, yeah. you know, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know that you gain anything because your candidate list is probably still going to be the same in October as it is in December. And and nobody's going to get a guy that maybe you could talk to some people, but you can still do all of that late November if you want to. And, and so that I don't know what you gain from doing that. Yeah. Well, I know Kirby Hocutt's a guy who's been on the college football playoff selection committee before. Is he, has he given you some advice or rundown <laughs> on, on how to get ready for, for your stint here? No, we actually last week when we were there, we played golf together, um, and he just you know said enjoy it. It's a it's a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous honor to be on it. A lot of eyes on it right now, uh, this time of year. And he, he just said you know do your homework. Uh, you have a lot of data that they provide to you. I mean there is a ton of data. I just got an email this week about all the stats of every team in the country. So you know you you you. you, you Everybody takes it really, really, that's an important decision. Everybody on that committee, and you go in prepared, you have great conversations, and it's not an emotional decision. It is literally based on who we all feel is probably the best teams in the country. And we'll see the first vote on Tuesday, and people are asking me who you vote for. I can't tell you. I did have to kill you, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I wasn't even going to ask. I wasn't even going to ask. But I I did think it was interesting, and I I think this was from the last time maybe we had talked on the air, but you said they kind of like break it down like you have a – a conference or a couple of conferences or regions to, to watch. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching the Pac-12 and the Mountain West. Um, okay. And, and not, we each have somebody that watches with us. And then we, we had our first call with the Pac-12 and Mountain West this week. So the, my partner, so to speak, he leads the call with the Pac-12. I lead the call with the Mountain West. We asked them, you know, who do they think should be in the Final Four? Um, who do they think they should be in top 25? And the wise, they send us a bunch of data about their teams, obviously, you know, the Pac-12 is pushing a couple of teams and the Mountain West didn't push anybody for the Final Four, but they pushed, you know, four or five teams for the top 25. And that's the thing that people have to understand is we don't just vote for the top four. We go all the way through right. 25, and that's really important for those teams looking for bowl opportunities because the higher they're ranked, the maybe the better bowl they get. 
And and sometimes that's where it gets really difficult. You know, sometimes the top six is pretty easy, kind of. But then all of a sudden you're starting to look in the, you know, 12 through 15 and they're all set four and eight and three. And it's, it's important to make sure we get all the way through all 25. Do you have to just say, Hey, like I have, I value X over Y. This is my, these are my personal preferences. I value X, Y, and Z as opposed to whatever else. Well, kind of, but they also, they, they, we have a certain standard, like, you know, head to head competition is huge. Um, Strength of schedule. It's not really up there. There's four or five, data points that they think you know we really have to look at and 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 we have to follow those kind of those standards within that we can give our own view like for instance if i'm talking about a mountain west team and you know somebody else is talking about another conference team and i said look you know i've seen this team play they're really good at defense i think they're a much better top 25 team than the one you're talking about and here's why then we just kind of go back and forth, and Gary, as the chair, will let the conversation flow, and then he'll, eventually he'll say, okay, we have to take a vote because we have to move through it fairly quickly. But, you know, the first week, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more that apparently as you go through the weeks, those conversations get a little quicker because you're more familiar with each team. Right. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm flying out tomorrow to Dallas. Um, everybody says, come in Sunday, get your top 30 done, watch your film, watch your teams. And then you start meeting Monday morning and all the way through Tuesday afternoon. Well, if I can just put in a plug for Cincinnati, you know, if we can help out <laughs> Cincinnati. What, what do you think about the Bearcats so somebody, far this year? You know, somebody told me uh, now you're going to have a new group of Twitter friends that are going to hate you yes. every week that yes. comes out. And I'm like, oh, great. That's beautiful. That, that is so true. As if you don't have enough already, which I, I understand. You know, everybody does, right? But, you know, it's, it's, it's really fun to uh, watch these – games because you start to get to understand players a lot better and you know i didn't know who the quarterback from utah was until i watched him play or the linebacker from san diego state now you watch him you know how many weeks it's been you really get to know names a little bit and it's been a lot of fun and then you you know then i can watch other games like sec and big 10 or whatever and i do watch i try to watch at least some game of the top you know maybe 10 teams and i watch georgia's defense i don't remember who they played against was arkansas i'm like oh my god goodness they got an unbelievable defense so that's kind of fun yeah absolutely well hey before we let you go i know basketball is coming up ne- next thursday right for the first exhibition games yeah. i mean that is pretty crazy but i think it's like a lot of them about the new transfers that we have on this this men's basketball team with that young core what, what's your outlook right now on the season yeah I've, I've seen them practice a couple of times and you know nigel hasn't been a whole lot of big part because he's having some right. i think he's back but I think there's a lot of excitement about the makeup of the team, uh, the quality. I think the culture has been really good in terms of they all really like each other and get along. Um, you know, they had a scrimmage against Oregon uh, last weekend up in Denver, yeah. and I think they played pretty well. Bruce was pretty happy about it. Um, and then, you know, so, yeah, I'm, there's a lot of optimism, but we're going to find out pretty quickly because their schedule is, uh, you know, gets right – you know, we, we got Illinois, we got – I don't remember, you know, Arkansas, Arkansas, Arkansas potentially, yeah. potentially Illinois. I mean, yeah. they've got some pretty good teams right out of the gate. We're going to find out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Gene, appreciate you stopping by and making some time. I can, I can promise you one thing. So I'm sitting in the stands today for the first time since oh, 2010. Oh, that'll be interesting. And I can promise you, I will be in the stadium for the third quarter. I will, I will not be please, out in the parking please. lot in the third quarter. Be one of those leaders. Get through, you know, <laughs> yes. get out there. And we have, 
places in the stadium you can grab a beverage if you like one. You yes. don't have to go all the way out to your car. So <laughs> yes, I will. I will be there for the third quarter. I, I have to. Otherwise, I'll have all the Twitter people after. That's the right. That's, that's right. All right, Gene. Take care. Thank Thanks, you so guys. much Thanks for having me on. on. I appreciate it. All right, K State Athletic Director Gene Taylor with us here on KCSN Live and the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. We'll get to Bethany Bowman here in just a moment as we are live with Lock It Up with Kurtz. And we are back. John Kurtz now with Bethany Bowman. It is the Lock It Up with Kurtz live podcast, KCSN live in Manhattan. We are headed down the home stretch here after a great night last night. Bethany was with me over at Rock and K's just across the street. It was a really great time. I appreciate the KC Catbackers, everybody who helped out with that event last night. We just heard from Gene Taylor, K-State Athletic Director, which was great. And honestly, you know, we'll, we'll talk, Bethany, here about everything going on with K-State. Bethany does a great job of sports in Kansas, so we're going to dive into the Kansas kids on K-State's roster, of which there are plenty. But, man, like, I could talk to Gene Taylor about the college football playoff selection process all day. I think that is so cool that K-State has their AD on that committee, and it's just kind of fascinating to learn behind the scenes what's going on there. Yeah, I learned a lot right there. Thank you for asking all those insightful questions. And uh, Gene's got a pretty tough job there being on that committee, yeah. um, not only overseeing everything K-State, but – like you said, uh, he's watching games. He's trying to figure out who's in the top 25 every week. So pretty crazy. That is. That's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. I'm with him like, man, you're going to have a lot of fan bases mad at you potentially <laughs> on, the, on the committee there. They're going to search you out on Twitter. But all right. So I mentioned Bethany is the director of operations, host and reporter with Sports in Kansas. There are a lot of Kansas kids on this K-State roster. We've been talking about this, you know, over the entire week, kind of gearing up for this. But yeah. It's like you start going down the list. We're like, okay, who can we talk about here? It's like, all right, well, there's player X, there's player Y. Oh, man, this guy, this guy, this guy. Like all up and down the board, K-State just utilizes the state and the high school talent here and has for years, which I think yeah. is a part of why they've they've dominated that rivalry with Kansas because you get so much emotional investment from all those guys. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say, you know, people probably get tired of hearing me talk about the Kansas guys because there's a lot of guys that make impact, obviously, the big player, Tyler, Deuce. 
not sure. from Kansas. So uh, we appreciate everything they do for K-State. But, yeah, I mean, just with my role as sports in Kansas and knowing, seeing these guys in high school a little bit or at least, you know, I've kept up with them. Uh, going on to play at K-State, a lot of them, you talk to them, and this is a dream they've had since they were little kids. They just want to come to K-State. They want to play football. And so when they get that opportunity, um, sometimes, you know, it's not a full scholarship. Maybe it's a walk-on. Um, you know, maybe it's a, a way, a thing where they earn their way. But they want that chance, and they want to play right here in Manhattan at uh, Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Um, some guys that have been big this year, we'll, I'll start with the special team unit. As you say, we got to talk about our guy, Ty yeah. Zenner, man, Legatron. About Ty. Legatron. We talk, talked about him last night a lot, but, you know, I had that big punt last week. Ty Zentner, a Shawnee Heights grad, went on to play at Butler, but um, his holder, um, or his, sorry, his kicker, um, Tayton Winkle from Halstead, um, he's done a great job. I think he's been really consistent this year. His holder, Jack Bloomer from Marysville, Kansas, he was a walk-on, and he was going to go play quarterback at Concordia University until he had a big game in the Kansas Shrine Bowl, had a few big punts. Okay. And K-State came calling, and he said, yeah, I'll take that. I want to play at K-State. So I just think, you know, stories like that are really cool. You look at the O-line, Noah Johnson, he was a walk-on uh, originally from Bishop Carroll High School, played at Butler, came here to K-State. Now he's a two-year starter. He is, you know, awesome. You look at that O-line, and then you add uh, Cooper Beebe from Piper, Casey Piper. Um, a lot of, he comes up a lot, his name. And Josh Revis, Hutch High School. And then you got Ben Adler, uh, Wichita Trinity Academy. So those four guys – on the O-line, you don't have to go to no. Texas or to Florida or wherever it may be. You think, like, all these big recruits come from. These guys, I mean, that's a good O-line right there for K-State. It is. I think that's, like, perfect, right? You think about, like, the Wisconsins and Iowas of the world where they can kind of do the same thing, like recruit in-state. Kansas is never going to have, like, 50 to 100 Division One guys coming out in one year, right? That's just the, the nature of the beast. And it's not always going to be the skill position guys, but I think that is where you can sort of mine for some some talent here and how K-State has used them. Because what have we talked about? Not just the offensive line, but also special teams. And so it's like these guys that can just be special teams dynamos. Like I think of Stanton Weber, who's a guy that I've done some radio with in the past. He's now coaching at South Carolina, but he was undersized, not somebody recruited to play receiver, but he came here and he was a team captain because of the work that he did on special teams. So, yeah, I think to your point, that's that's where you really can get a lot of run and juice. Not to say that there aren't great skill position players in the state of Kansas. Yeah. Look at what Devin Neal is doing at, at KU, for mm -hmm. instance, right now. But, you know, you can find ways. K-State's always found ways to, like, milk as much out of these guys as they can in the talent from in-state. You mentioned Stanton, his younger brother, Landry Weber. Uh, yeah. There's a skill position guy right there, and he's not going to be your top target. Uh, he's a Bishop age grad yep. and, but I, I feel like Landry has come up really big a lot this year, like on third down, like he's, he's a guy you can look at and you're like, you can get 15 yards from him. Um, so I, I just think that's really cool. You know, sometimes no these doubt. guys aren't, uh, Malou or, uh, Philip Brooks, but they're, they're just guys you can depend on. And I think that all goes back to that work ethic that they talk about. This is their home state. They're going to work as hard as they can to make the most of this opportunity and they don't want to let it down. Um, other guys on the defense, Jerron McPherson, Baser Linwood grad, um, Echo Boydo from Lawrence High School. Um, you look at the defensive line, Cimarron, Kansas, little Cimarron, Kansas. You yeah. got Jalen Pickle who comes here. I mean, he does not look like he's a small town Kansas boy. No, no, he does uh, not. That's, not. That's a big dude. Not at all. But yeah, he played a, a 2A Cimarron. Um, so it's just crazy to me to look at some of these guys that come here to K-State and, and where they're from. And I, I have a special passion for that being a Kansas kid myself being from Kansas. And so I just love to see K-State recruiting in-state. And I think they'll continue to do that as long as it's working. Yeah, I love another name too, from my perspective. So I 
I have not done as much with the high schools lately, but earlier on in my career, I was doing Manhattan high games and was much more heavily involved, certainly with the Centennial League, knowing what was going on there. And man, I can remember a game. It would have had to have been like 2016. Ryan Hennington playing Ryan quarterback Hennington. for Junction <laughs> City. I mean, he ran now Manhattan High has good defenses year in, year out. Like Joe Schartz does an excellent job with that program. And Ryan Hennington ran for like 250 or 300 yards, ran for like 250 or 300 on, on Manhattan. And it was one of the great individual performances I ever saw in my time um, doing MHS games. And now to see his journey, which has been wild, like from coming in as a walk-on quarterback, then to defensive back, and now he's beefed up and is playing like some linebacker for K-State. I mean, uh, another pretty quintessential K-State type of story. Yeah, that's a very athletic kid right there. And you saw that play, I think it was, was it Southern Illinois or Nevada? Yes, Southern Illinois, uh, yeah. Jalen comes up with the interception, but that play by Ryan Hennington, he had a pancake it, so it didn't hit the floor. Um, kind of volleyball spiked it up, um, got, got the ball in the air for Jalen to make that interception. I mean, I think Ryan's a kid that's going to do anything that you need him to do. Um, like you said, he's a really good athlete. He played quarterback. He's not going to come here and play quarterback. We want yeah. Skyler slinging it. But, I mean, he's just going to kind of be put in wherever the coaching staff thinks he can fit in best and what they need him to do, and he's going to do it. So that's awesome to see. Well, and even, you know, we were discussing you before, too. Like, this is a, a fairly interesting game from your perspective, I think, to cover being that TCU has – Noah Boltikoff, right, mm -hmm. on the offensive line. Rose Hill. Uh, right, Rose Hill kid, where there, there have been a couple of kids that have yeah. gone there. And, I mean, obviously, Gary Patterson, it makes sense that he would recruit the state of Kansas being a Kansas guy himself and, and a K-State grad, almost a head coach here at one point in time. So there, there are a lot of ties really on both sides in this game today. Yeah, uh, I, I mentioned that he's not really playing a whole lot right now. I, I think that an injury kind of stymied that for him. But Chase Curtis from Pittsburgh High School, he went and played Juco baseball in Yosho County um out of high school from pittsburgh high and decided hey i miss football a little bit i'm gonna go to tcu and um from what i understand i mean i, th I thought going into the year he somebody they were kind of looking at to to be a player but like i said i think he's still hurt um if i'm not mistaken but that's pretty cool i um, mean talked about from rose hill and uh they, they've had a pipeline a little bit um fultz brothers a couple of them yeah. played at yep. tcu um there was a quarterback from mcpherson tyler matthews went down and played quarterback at TCU so um, Gary Patterson obviously a Kansas native he's from is it Larned I think it's I think it's Larned that sounds he right he played at Dodge yeah. City and then obviously here at K-State but he's from a small town here in Kansas so I love that he continues to monitor the state and see some kids that he can bring down there um, really I just whether it's K-State whether it's KU with Devin Neal Mason Fairchild from Andale in there tight end I just want to see kids go be successful um, you know we're talking K-State here today, and we yeah. want to get some of those big in-state recruits here. But um, wherever they go, um, we talked earlier, Lucas Kroll. He's a kid from Mill Valley. He's, like, I think still leading the nation, um, tight ends in FBS football. Um, in touch options was a couple weeks ago. Um, it's just it's really cool to see from the state of Kansas kids go on to be successful to me. Yeah, well, I really appreciate the passion that you have for the, the in-state kids. I think it's rivaled only by Taylor Brack, K-State's uh, <laughs> director of recruiting. Don't who, let him hear me say that I want kids to go anywhere else but K-State. Well, but. yes, yes, I know. But in terms of, like, you guys, you guys are, like, the top two uh, leaders in terms of being passionate about people in the state of Kansas, high school football certainly in the state of Kansas. So appreciate that and appreciate you taking time to, uh, to hang out with us this weekend, Bethany. Yeah, absolutely. Really excited for this TCU game. All right, so I asked you the other day just to promote yourself if, if people want to follow you. Uh, where can they find your, your info? Um, Sports in Kansas, we'd love to have you guys following there. Um, we'll have a ton of info going out about kids in the state, and you know we'll kind of 
all they've got interest, whether it's K-State or anywhere else. And then uh, my personal, BJ Bowman 13, um, director of ops and host reporter for Sports in Kansas. All right. Awesome. Enjoy the game, Bethany. You too. You got to hold down the press box for what's, me. What's your score prediction? Ooh. Uh, I don't think anybody's asked you that today. Well, I'm trying to remember what I said on another pregame show that I did. Let's say uh, I had K-State like 30-21, to 21, I think. 30-21 or 31-20. I think the Cats will cover. I, TCU seems like a mess right now with everything that's going on. And I, I can close out with uh, some of that as well with BJ Kissel as he's going to hop on here. But, yeah, I'm saying K-State by like 9 to 10. Okay. That would be my prediction. All right. Yeah. Love to see it. Thanks. All right. Take Thanks, care, Sean. Bethany. All right. There's Bethany Bowman from uh, Sports in Kansas. We'll take one final break and come back and wrap things up. The Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast live edition here at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. We are back live from Bill Snyder Family Stadium. John Kurtz with you here on the Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast, KCSN, live from Manhattan. Joined now by uh, the man who's pulling the strings on all of this, BJ Kissel. He's put in a lot of hard work uh, for this weekend and certainly appreciate that. Welcome to the uh, Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. Thank you. It, it's nice to do a lot of work. And then once the cameras go on, like, it's weird to not have as much yeah. to do. Like, and not hosting, not doing all this stuff. But you guys have been doing great. This stuff is a whole lot of fun. Got to special shout out to 360 vodka and holiday yes. distillery for everything that they've done to make all of this possible they are taking care of the k club here uh, outside veneer here in manhattan about 500 former athletes here at k-state that are in here enjoying some 360 vodka and some some food thanks to scotty sieben and rock and k so yeah this is a beautiful day it's perfect it has it's worked out very very well let me i'm going to pass along this just a little bit of information that i'm seeing from inside the stadium on the injury front for k-state and tcu um Good news for K-State, Bronson Massey and Justin Gardner, both warming up. Those were a couple of question marks. Bronson Massey in particular will really help out on the defensive line. But Joe Irvin is not out there, who has been K-State's backup running back and a pretty dynamic one at that. So that will hurt. Um, and then on the TCU side, it does look like Max Duggan is in there warming up. His status had been in question. Sounded like he had not practiced much at quarterback this week for TCU. But then Zach Evans, a game-time decision 
supposedly, who is TCU's number one running back, the former number one running back in the country, five-star recruit and uber talent, uh, may or may not play this week. There's been a lot of drama with him. He took all the TCU stuff off his Instagram and, you know, how – you don't know anything about Instagram controversies these days, do you, BJ? Do you want to go down that? We can talk about the Chiefs right now because uh, it seems to be the the talk of the talk of Twitter right now. But uh, I don't know if we have enough time. It's a little nuanced. It's a little nuanced that you don't see that in the college level. But uh, end of the day, the social media can be a great thing or it could be a negative thing depending upon how you want to use it. And uh, yeah. Well, I'm I'm curious. So you you played baseball here at K State. I did. What are, what are the memories for you? Coming back here to, uh, to Manhattan, what do you remember most from Manhattan back in the day? Man, I it's weird because it was seems like it was so long ago, and they've done so many upgrades, and they've done a, such a great job with the facility, especially the the upgrade that the f- baseball facility has gotten yeah. over the last year, like even the six months. Like it is unbelievable uh, what they have here, and it's it's part. And I was telling Gene Taylor this earlier. It's like part annoyance because it's just like man, they get all the cool stuff, and yep. part is just pride to see like where the program is going and the investment that they're putting into it. So um, that's special to see, but. My memories, like I was, we were talking about this last night um, with a few of the guys that I remember more stuff like off the field, like the bus trips, the stuff that like at the time was really annoying. And like, it, couldn't we just charter like every other team does? Yeah. Bust the Kansas City. Uh, but those I remember, it's not as much the on the field stuff, you know, hanging out with the guys and stuff like that. But um, I also spent a lot of time in college going and watching my wife, my girlfriend at the time play volleyball. Uh, and they were really. Really good. So I've got a lot of special memories. My in-laws live here, so we're in Manhattan all the time. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to be and um, bring our kids up here. It's it's a special place to, to our entire family. Yeah, no doubt. Well, well, we have a couple of minutes here. I know big things are happening with KCSN all over the place with the help of, of Holiday Distillery and 360 Vodka. What uh, What's on the horizon now for KCSN? Yeah, I'm hoping we do a lot more tailgate shows like this, get out in front of people and, and you know bring the, the partners that we have and the, the cool products that they have to make sure that people are tailgating and having a good time, making sure they're getting their drinks. But uh, we're going to be doing more tailgate shows like this, not just for K-State. We're going to be in Columbia in a few few weeks before the George came. Uh, oh, so wow. You never okay. know. Maybe shock the world. Yeah. You never know. Uh, for MIZ fans, but uh, and Tucker Franklin, our uh, podcast producer, is a big Mizzou fan. But we've got that, and then on December 11th, you've got that KU Mizzou Border War basketball game. Lauren will be there for that. Details still being figured out, but uh, we're going to try to activate around big college games and and come and do content with, with guys who played and people like yourself that are immersed in everything and and talk about it. So. Uh, a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. Obviously, we've got our chief stuff. We're very chiefs heavy with everything we have going on. But we've got partners like 360 and Holiday and a lot of our other great partners. Like, we're going to be doing some really, really cool stuff. And it's just the start. You know, this is the first event like this that we've done. And we're going to be doing a lot more of these. Um, and, yeah, so follow along. Make sure you're subscribed and all the different channels, wherever you get content, whether it's YouTube or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to shows. Um, we're there. And we appreciate the support as we try, you know, do something a little different. Yeah, well, I can, I can stress the K-State fans that are out there. If you are a Chiefs fan, like, this is the place to be for pre – what you guys are doing pre, halftime, and post. We do a right halftime – like, do, like, a halftime update on Twitter, but we do a live post-game post show game, from okay. uh, Bar and Grill out in Overland Park. Uh, right now it's the Bullpen Bar and Grill up until the Kingdom Bar and Grill opens there at 127th in Antioch. We will be there after every Chiefs game as soon as it opens. 
open goal is December 1st. That is when they're hoping to open up that new bar. It's getting finished right now, but uh, yeah, a lot of chiefs content and just can't see sports in general. I think as media changes and you know, you're right in the middle of it, you've been living this, that, you know, digital broadcast TV, every social media, this space is all changing. And, you know, this is kind of like our idea on how to create content for fans who want to stay up to date and informed and entertained about their favorite teams. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do. Well, the Chiefs postgame has been very helpful for me. It's been very cathartic when I get frustrated with the Chiefs after, too. I have to listen to you guys. So, K-State fans out there, make sure you check that out, too. Yeah, maybe sure. we uh, need to do a, a, a therapy, like a therapy yes. Thursday, is what yes. we used to call it, a therapy session with everybody in social media and uh, and all that. And, and real quick, since I dodged it earlier, it's, you know, it's a very nuanced conversation with Anthony Hitchens, Tyron Matthew. I know it's K-State, but a lot of Chiefs fans are listening to this and um, I have a very unique, you know, perspective on this because um, I know fans don't want, you know, the, the small faction of fans that are very loud vocal that are tagging players on social media and calling them out saying, I hope we trade you. We should never should have paid you or overpaid all these negative things. I think sometimes for fans, it's really hard for them to know or to understand how players it's, it's not always as easy as you would think to separate that. That's not everyone. And that I've seen a lot of stuff on social saying, you know, 95% of it's positive and only 5% is negative. After losses, it's really not that much positive. Yeah. It's a, yeah. the other way around. So let's not throw stats like that out there that aren't true. But at the same time, you can't do what the players did. You can't say that and, and not have the kind of blowback that you did when you group everyone together. So I think both sides need to kind of look in the mirror and say, you shouldn't be doing that. And at the same time, fans, I think – in general, we've dehumanized athletes with social media in a lot of ways where you can kind of say whatever and there's no repercussions. And same thing with media. You can say stuff. It's factually incorrect or spun to try to create some something. Uh, there's really no repercussions for any of that. And I, this is what happens when frustrations boil over. You hope that it doesn't. But when it does, you hope that the team stays united because if they stay united and they start winning games and the messaging gets back on track, eventually it will blow over. Uh, but some of the stuff people aren't going to forget. I just you need more than 280 characters to get people's thoughts out. Um, and I think if you'd sit down and have conversations, with these guys, you'd feel a little bit differently about where they're coming from. It's one thing from my perspective, being around the guys. Most of the time you sit down, you have a full conversation. You'll understand where people are coming from. You might not agree. You might not like it, but you can at least understand it. And I think yep. that's kind of where we're at and trying to communicate and get thoughts across on Twitter and Instagram. It's just not not the place. Yeah, well. Get it rolling with a win today. Win on Monday night. Everybody will feel a little bit better in uh, exactly. Chiefs Kingdom and, and beyond here in Manhattan. But it's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, once again, shout out to Tucker Franklin doing all the work behind the scenes along with BJ and everybody who's helped out. Holiday Distillery, 360 Vodka. Uh, it's been a really fun weekend here in Manhattan. All that's left is for uh, K-State to go get a win. So we're going to get up this team and uh, see about the cats and the horn frogs. Thanks for watching, everybody. Take care and uh, keep following us at uh, KCSN. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 